the spiritual roots of the conflict between Israel and Hamas. On Saturday morning, October 7th, on Simchat Torah, the last great day of Sukkot, about 1,500 Hamas terrorists penetrated Israel's border and perpetrated the largest mass slaughter of Jews since the Holocaust. The terror organization's assault on Gaza border communities sent 5,000 rockets into Israel, left 1,400 men, women, and children dead, 4,200 wounded, and 240 kidnapped and dragged across the border into Gaza. Whole families were slaughtered. Babies and toddlers, the elderly, and Holocaust survivors were taken into Gaza. IDF soldiers were beheaded. It was a bloody and brutal slaughter against innocent civilians. Since then, a very alarming trend has occurred. Anti-Semitism, or Jew hatred, has sprung up all over the world and spread like a cancer, and in some very surprising places. A rally of thousands gathered in Sydney, Australia, chanting, Gas the Jews! Gas the Jews! To learn more about the massacres in a powerful way, go to OCT7, that's OCT7map.com, OCT7map.com. If you go to October7.org, the word October, the number 7.org, you can read listen, and watch the testimonies of the survivors of this massacre. We must not look away. We must look at the evil that was done to the Jewish people on October 7th. More Jews were massacred on this one day than since the Holocaust. This was Israel's Holocaust 2.0. There is baseless hatred toward the Jews springing up all over the world. Where is it coming from? We are seeing thousands pouring out into the streets of London, Sydney, Denmark, Belgium, Los Angeles, and Washington, D.C. Many of these pro-Hamas protesters are chanting from the river to the sea, all of Palestine will be free. Translation, genocide all the Jews Wipe Israel off the map and replace it with Palestine. Virulent hatred is spreading like a cancer throughout the globe. Why are we not concerned that these protesters are waving ISIS flags in European capitals, such as Denmark, and there are thousands jamming the streets of London, spewing Jew hatred? This battle is taking place on three levels. There is a boots-on-the-ground kinetic war, there is an ideological war, and there is a spiritual war. This teaching will focus on the spiritual war. What is the spirit behind Hamas? How will Israel fight and overcome that evil spirit? Many teachers on both the Jewish and the Christian side of the aisle are postulating that the Hamas operatives are motivated and energized by the spirit of Amalek. Is that true? 
And if so, what does it mean? And how do we overcome the spirit of Amalek? This conflict has its roots in Jacob and Esau and their relationship. As it is written in Genesis chapter 25, verses 22 to 26. But the children struggled within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, two peoples shall be separated from your body, one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when all her days were fulfilled for her to give birth indeed, there were twins in her womb. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. I believe Jacob has been misunderstood over the centuries. He has been accused of being a supplanter and a deceiver. Yet, when we look at this struggle that started from within the womb, I believe Esau had murder in his heart for his brother even before he was born. Instead of believing that Jacob was supplanting his brother by catching hold of his heel, perhaps this is what really happened. Esau was trying to crush the soft part of his brother's skull with his foot to kill him. Jacob reached up with his hand to protect the soft part of his head from being crushed. The next verse tells us more about the character of these two boys. So the boys grew. And Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. Genesis twenty-five twenty-seven. Esau is a man of the fields. He is a hunter. Hunters are cunning. They stalk their prey and they kill. Esau was a man of the world. He was carnal, bloody, and a killer. But Jacob was a man who dwelt in tents or stayed in camp. This is a Hebrew idiom for this. Jacob loved to study the Torah. That is why he dwelt in the tent and stayed in camp. Esau hates Jacob. Again, we find that Jacob is much maligned in the next part of the story. He is accused by Esau and by many Bible teachers of stealing the blessing from his brother Esau. Yet Rebekah, Jacob's mother, is the one who instructed Jacob to do the following. So Rebekah spoke to her son Jacob and said, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me the game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Genesis twenty-seven six to 8 Jacob had objections, but in the end he obeyed his mother. Why did Rebekah instruct her son Jacob to pretend to be Esau, to receive the blessing from his father Isaac? I believe it was because she remembered the prophecy that the Lord revealed to her when she was carrying the twin boys in her womb. Jacob valued the birthright. Esau despised it and sold it for a bowl of soup. Jacob loved the Torah. Esau was a man of the fields. Jacob was being obedient to his mother and doing what he did. And Jacob's father brings forth the fulfillment of the prophecy as Isaac speaks these words over Jacob. In Genesis 27, verse 29, Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. 
and be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. When Esau learns that his father has given his blessing to his brother Jacob, he cries out with an exceedingly bitter cry. And in Genesis chapter 27, verse 34, it is written, When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. And that begins the root of bitterness between them. A bitter root defiles many. It is a poisonous well of hate that many generations drink from. And in Genesis chapter 27, verse 41, it is written, So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, it is written, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springs up causing trouble and by this many become defiled this bitter root that Esau had has been hardwired into the genes and has been passed down through the generations Now let's see what God the Father has to say about Jacob and Esau. How does he view them? In Malachi chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, it is written, Was Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. And this is repeated in Romans chapter 9, verses 12 and 13, where it is written, It was said to her, The older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Now let's go down two generations from Esau, and let's take a look at Amalek. He is the grandson of Esau. And in Genesis chapter 36, verses 9 through 12, this is the genealogy of Esau, the father of the Edomites in Mount Seir. These were the names of Esau's sons, Eliphaz, the son of Ada, the wife of Esau, and Reuel, the son of Basemoth, the wife of Esau. The sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kenaz. Now Timnah was the concubine of Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bore Amalek to Eliphaz. The first battle with Amalek is recorded for us in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 13, and Moses fights this battle. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim, and Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. 
as his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now take note of this. While Joshua and his men fight the kinetic boots-on-the-ground battle with Amalek, at the same time, Moses is fighting the spiritual battle by interceding and praying for them. When Moses' hands droop, they begin to lose the battle. But as long as Moses' hands are lifted up, Israel prevails. This gives us a great example of how there are two levels of battle happening at the same time. The kinetic boots on the ground battle and the spiritual battle fought and won in prayer. So what is Amalek's strategy in battle? Deuteronomy chapter 25 verses 17 to 19 answers this question. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. Therefore it shall be when the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies all around in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance, that you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under the heaven. You shall not forget. Saul had a battle with Amalek also. He was commanded by the Lord to utterly destroy Amalek, as it is written in 1 Samuel 15, 1-3. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel and how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Saul does not obey the Lord. He allows the king of Amalek, King Agag, to live. He also keeps the best of the sheep, fatlings, oxen, and lambs. Because of his disobedience, Saul is rejected as king by the Lord, as it is written in 1 Samuel 15, verse 11. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. The next day, Samuel the priest confronts King Saul, and this is what he says in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Because King Agag, the last king of Amalek, is allowed to live, the genealogy of hatred towards Jews lives on and is passed down through the generations. And we see another character emerge with a genocidal hatred of the Jews, Haman. We will come back to him. But now let's look at King David's encounter with Amalek. As it is written in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1-4. to Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day 
that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. What was the battle strategy deployed here by Amalek? They took captive the women and children at Ziglag. David and his men are heartbroken. What does David do? In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, it is written, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because of the soul of all the people was grieved, and every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And then he does something very important. It is something that we often forget to do, and we go charging out, rushing ahead, leaning on our own understanding and strength. David inquires of the Lord. He prays. He seeks the mind of the Lord. And the Lord answers him in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Amalek took captives from David's camp at Ziglag. Similarly, we see that Hamas, in their hatred of Jews, took some 240 Jews captive. We continue to pray earnestly for their soon rescue and return to their families. We can trace a toxic lineage of hatred towards Jacob that is passed down through the generations. Esau hated Jacob. Esau's grandson is Amalek. And from Esther chapter 3 verse 1, we see that Haman is King Agag's descendant, as it is written in Esther 3 verse 1. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. Remember, Saul allowed King Agag to live, though he was told to kill all the Amalekites. Saul spared King Agag's life, and a few generations later, from the loins of King Agag, the Jewish people are now faced with the genocidal maniac, Haman. This Jew hatred is hardwired into Haman's genes, as it is written in Esther chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. When Haman saw that Mordecai was not bowing down or paying him honor, Haman was filled with rage. But it was repugnant in his eyes to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him the identity of Mordecai's people. So Haman sought to destroy all the Jews the people of Mordecai, who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. Let's summarize. What are the characteristics of Amalek? It would be virtually impossible to discern who the literal descendants of Amalek are today, but we can discern the spirit of Amalek based upon behavior. What are the characteristics of Amalek? There is a deep-seated and baseless hatred of Jews, rooted 
in Esau's hatred of Jacob. From Genesis 27:41, they attacked the stragglers, the weak, and the vulnerable. From Deuteronomy 25:17 to 19, they take captives, as we saw at Ziglag with David in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 and 2. And Amalek seeks the total genocide of the Jewish people, as we see with Haman in Esther chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. So when we look at the behavior of Hamas and those who support them, I believe we can see that the spirit behind their behavior is the spirit of Esau, Amalek, and Haman. And it is truly demonic. What is God's command concerning Amalek? In Exodus chapter 17, verses 14 to 16, it is written, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book, and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Crystal Knot happened on November 9th and 10th of 1938. On that night of broken glass, 267 synagogues were broken into, set on fire, and destroyed. 10,000 religious schools, cemeteries, Homes and businesses were ransacked, defiled, and demolished. This night became known as Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass. The world and the church looked the other way, indifference and apathy. Because there was no outcry, the Nazis took this as a permission slip from the world and the church that it was okay to do pogroms, persecutions, massacres, and murders of Jews. With a few notable exceptions, the church was silent. Kristallnacht is what really kicked off the Holocaust. It was a defining moment in history. October 7th was Israel's Kristallnacht 2.0. This was Israel's Holocaust 2.0. More Jews died in one day on the October 7th massacre than since the Holocaust. 4,500 were injured. 250,000 have been displaced, 240 have been taken hostage, and now 10,000 rockets have been launched into Israel, and Israel is at war with Hamas. Now, why should you care? A very famous person, Eli Weissel, who is a survivor of the Holocaust, he survived in the death camps of the Nazis, said this, The opposite of love is not hate, it is indifference. The opposite of life is not death, it is indifference. We need to line up our heart with Abba Father's heart. We need to love whom he loves and hate whom he hates. And God has said himself in the scriptures, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. So what is the Lord's heart towards Judah? the Jews. Father God has made a covenant with Israel and the Jewish people, and it is eternal 
and it is irrevocable. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 35 to 36, it is written, Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day, and the ordinance of the moon and stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. What is the Father's heart towards Judah, the Jews? In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, it is written, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love I have drawn you to myself. What was Paul's heart towards the Jews? In Romans 11, verses 14 and 15, it is written, If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, the Jews, and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead. Think of Ezekiel 37 and the valley of dry bones. And in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 11 to 14, it is written, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it, and performed it, says the Lord. Why is there this baseless hatred towards the Jews? In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6, it is written, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you, and I will give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them, and you will be a light to guide the nations. The Jewish people have been light bearers. Where would we be without Amos, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Moses, Isaiah, and all? These were all Jewish prophets. The Jewish prophets and scribes gave the incredible and life-changing gift of the Torah to the nations. And because the Jewish people have carried out this task, the prince of darkness, the deceiver, and the father of all lies, hates and opposes them. Over the centuries, the Jewish people have paid a terrible price with persecutions, pogroms, and unreasoning hatred perpetrated against them. In Isaiah chapter 51, verse 4, it is written, Listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, O my nation, for law or Torah will proceed from me, and I will make my justice rest as a light of the peoples. 
Also in John chapter 4, verse 22, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. The Jewish people have been light bearers. In Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it is written, Then one advantage has the Jew, great in every respect. First of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. The end of days conflict is a spiritual conflict. Jacob's spiritual descendants are those who love the God of Israel, love his word, love the Torah, and love Israel. This can include both Jews and Christians. Esau and Amalek's spiritual descendants are those who hate the God of Israel, they despise his word, and they hate the nation of Israel and the Jewish people of Israel. As thousands of radical Islamists and thousands of woke liberal leftists paint swastikas on buildings where Jews live, burn Israeli flags, and chant, gas the Jews at their demonstrations, this is the expression of an ancient and baseless hatred that all began with Esau's hatred of Jacob. Pro-Hamas demonstrators like to chant, From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Translation, Israel will no longer exist as a nation, and all the Jews will be cast into the sea. The demonstrations that we see in the natural are fueled by a demonic spirit rooted in the spirit of Esau, Amalek, and Haman. And so we must fight in the spirit realm through prayer. Joel chapter 3 verse 14 tells us during the day of the Lord there will be a great valley of decision and that multitudes of people will be in that valley as it is written in Joel chapter 3 verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Where do you stand regarding Israel and the Jewish people? We are all in a valley of decision, individuals, churches, and nations. I believe God the Father is watching and recording in heaven's book our decision concerning Israel and the Jewish people. An attack on Israel is an attack on the God of Israel. Where do you stand in this valley of decision? The Lord speaks of a time when he will gather all the nations and sort them out, and some will be goat nations and some will be sheep nations. This Israel-Hamas war is serving to sift and sort out nations as thousands are out in the streets demonstrating a show of support for Israel and thousands are standing with the evil Hamas ISIS Nazi butchers. In Matthew chapter 25 verses 32 and 33 it is written, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels are with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. 
I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. So, what is the basis of the Lord's judgment upon the nations? Before we go on with this parable, we have to stop and ask that question. What is the basis of the Lord's judgment upon the nations? What is the criteria that he uses to determine whether a nation is a goat nation or a sheep nation? To answer that question, we go to Joel chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, where it is written, For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there, on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have divided also my land." So now, let's continue the parable, keeping in mind this one thing. The nations are judged based upon how they treated Yeshua's family, the Jews, the nation of Israel. Continuing on in Matthew chapter 25, verses 37 to 40. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when when did we... Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick, or in prison, or come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it for one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Who are the king's brethren? Who are Yeshua's brothers and sisters? The Jews are his brothers and sisters. And then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of these least of these, you did not do it for me. Will you stand with the God of Israel and with the nation and people of Israel? Israel and the Jewish people need your support right now. Stand with Israel. Jews and Christians are coming together in unprecedented ways. On Monday, November 6th, At the Great Synagogue of Jerusalem, Israel 365 sponsored a prayer event and opened the door for leading Christians and Jewish leaders to come together and pray. This is unprecedented and truly groundbreaking. Leading Israeli rabbis, Knesset members, and faith leaders from across the world have called it a day of prayer 
on Monday, November 6th. The date was chosen as it marks the Sholshim, the conclusion of the traditional 30-day Jewish mourning period following last month's Hamas massacre. It was a day of prayer appealing to God to return all of our hostages safely to their families, to protect our IDF soldiers, to heal the wounded, and to defeat Hamas and all of Israel's heartless enemies. Ten from the Nations, an organization that seeks to build bridges between Jews and Christians, recently hosted an event on Zoom called Not on My Watch, and this was on Thursday, November 9th, the 85th anniversary of Kristallnacht. On the panel were both Jews and Christians, and they included Al McCarn from Ten from the Nations, Gidon Ariel of Root Source, Ellie Michelle of Israel 365, Jeremy Gampel of the Land of Israel Fellowship, Tommy Waller of Hayovel, Dean Bai of Aliyah Return Center, an altar of prayer, Steve Werp from Ten from the Nations, and Jonathan Feldstein of Genesis One Two Three Foundation. So again, we are seeing unprecedented collaboration between Jews and Christians in these remarkable times. How can you stand with Israel right now? This is a call to action. You can pray for Israel and the Jewish people. Go to altarofprayer.com. You can give and donate to Israel. Go to serveisrael.com and donate to Operation Ittai. You can get informed and get involved. Sign up for Israel on Target newsletter at bridgeconnectorministries.com. Attend a pro-Israel rally. Go to Israel. You can serve and support. Find out more by going to serveisrael.com and join the Land of Israel Fellowship. Go to thelandofisrael.com. What is the end game? Where is this going? In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 13, it is written, For I have bent Judah, my bow, and fitted the bow with Ephraim, arrows, and raised up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and made you like the sword of a mighty man. Now what good is a bow without arrows? And what good are arrows without a bow? And this scripture defines for us that the bow is Judah, the Jews, and Ephraim, the non-Jews, the Christians, if you will, are the arrows. And when they unite together, they become a powerful weapon in the hands of the Lord, and they unite together against their common enemy. The children of Israel and the children of Judah will be reunited. And this is prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 4, where it is written, In those days and in that time, says the Lord, the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together. With continual weeping they shall come, and they will seek the Lord their God. Continuing on in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 5, They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces toward it, saying, Come, and let us join ourselves to Yahuwah in a perpetual covenant that will not be forgotten. I want to thank you for listening. Please share this video with others. Let's grow the family. Let's bridge the gap. 
Let's draw near to the God of Israel, to the land of Israel, and to the people of Israel, the Jewish people. Here's how you can get a hold of me. I welcome your comments below. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you.